episode 133, a recipe for flawless execution. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. Welcome to The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. Each and every week, Jason Jennings and I have a conversation around a leadership lesson that helps you grow and get further faster in your business as a leader. The Game Changers with Jason Jennings, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, best-selling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, and reinvention. Jason, great to be with you today. Uh, Dale, it's uh, great to be back with you. I I just, uh, I love these (laughs) get-togethers as much as anything else I do. And uh, today's topic, execution. So important. Everybody loves to talk strategy and give advice, but when you boil it down to the core essence, it truly is execution that gets things done day in and day out. So I'm sure you've got a story to start us off. I do, and uh, uh, and I'm sure I'll uh, get some hate mail uh, out of this one. So it was a number of years ago for one of my books. Uh, we, myself, the researchers and I had uh, uh, come up with a list of, of companies that we had to get inside of, and one of them was Coke Industries, and uh, that's a very polarizing name uh, because Charles Coke, uh, the founder and head of Coke Industries, uh, I, I think the media has done a, a nasty job on this guy, um, and his politics are very different than mine. I'll, I'll be the first one uh, to say that. But nonetheless, he, he has built the largest privately held company in the world. They do 120 to $130 billion a year in annual revenues. And uh, either they're number one and Cargill is number two, or the next year Cargill might be number one or number two. But they're so big that if it were not privately held, if it were a publicly traded company, it would be number 17 on, on the fortune list. Uh, so it'd be fortune number 17. Uh, so, and I remember gaining access uh, to Charles Koch was probably the hardest thing that I had ever done. I, I, I think he probably has a disdain or a distrust of, of most journalists. And uh, I, I got free run of the ranch uh, at, uh, uh, at the company for several days. And then on this appointed Friday, I was going to have about a half day or a little bit more uh, with Charles Koch uh, in his office, and, and he, he's, a, he's a gentleman. Uh, he, he really is. And so uh, at, as we were coming up to the uh, end of our meeting, uh, he, I think he'd gotten comfortable with me. And so there was a black book on a small table before us, uh, between us, and he picked up this book, and he said, are you going home to California tonight? And I said, uh, yes, I am. He said, you might want to take this and read a copy of it. And I said, uh, what is that? And he said, that's our, our five-year strategic plan. And I said, wow, that's an important document. I mean, don't you want me to sign a non-disclosure agreement or something? And he said, no. He said, just take it and read it and make copies and give it to whoever you want. And then he added at the Every year when we complete it, we send a copy to all of our competitors so they'll know exactly how and when they're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I know he said that tongue-in-cheek. He said, and then he said, he, he looked at me, and, and he had this, had this habit of calling me Mr. Jennings. And uh, he said, Mr. Jennings, I feel sorry for you. And I said, why do you feel sorry for me? He said, because you're so old. And I said, excuse me, I'm about 25 years younger than you are. What, what do you mean, I'm old? He said, no, you're, you're old. He said, uh, only old people 
and and this is the lesson I learned about execution. He said, only old people believe that knowledge is power. He said, knowledge is no longer power. At one time it was, when most people didn't have access to it. He said, but knowledge is no longer power. Execution, flawless execution is power. And he said, Mr. Jennings, let me point something out. The more people who have the knowledge, the more likely you are to have flawless execution. And you know what? That flies in the face, Dale, of conventional wisdom. I mean, what are most people taught? Uh, Most people are taught, well, don't let the little people know if we're doing good, because if they think we're doing good, they might want to raise. Um, Secrets are kept by people because it gives them a a great sense of self-importance as being the keeper of the secrets. Or they misguidingly think that uh, they don't want the competition to know what they're up to. Well, the reality is that uh, in great companies today, they understand that flawless execution is real power, not having the knowledge, and they share all the knowledge with all the people. This brings me back to one of those quotes that you gave in an earlier podcast, and I'm sorry I'm not able to give it exactly, but you said something to the effect of, secrets are the currency of the unproductive. Yeah, there are people. In fact, I was doing a speech this week uh, for a great company, and uh, and when I used that line or a similar line, I mean, everybody looked at everybody else, and they chuckled and they smiled because they all knew uh, that they had some of these people within the organization. These are the people whose whose only value uh, is in all of the secrets they hold and the secrets they keep. They're unproductive. I mean, they don't do a darn thing, but they've got the secrets, and everybody's afraid to let them. And I'm not talking institutional knowledge. They're just the keeper of the secrets. That's 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 their currency, and uh, they're absolutely unproductive people. Um, but but listen, uh, so this whole thing about sharing all the knowledge with all the people, reared its head again for me. So so it happened with Charles Koch, and then it wasn't long after that that I was sitting down with two men, and I'm a raving fan uh, of J.M. Smucker. You would not think of a company known uh, for its jams and jellies as just a fast-moving powerhouse, but they are. I began writing about them when they were a $500 million company, and in just a matter of years, they've gone to a $7 billion company in a decade, and I think Richard and Tim Smucker uh, were two of the uh, best business operatives and leaders uh, that have ever existed, and they've now turned over the reins, but I remember sitting with Richard and Tim Smucker uh, in their conference room, and they uh, and they gave me a booklet, and it said uh, uh, the J.M. Smucker Corporate Strategy Booklet, and I started leafing through it. And it was about twenty or twenty-five pages. It detailed their their complete strategy, and so I I remember asking them. I said, you know, during uh, the time I'm I'm working on this book, would it be possible if I could borrow uh, a, a copy of this? And they said, borrow it. I mean, just take it with you. I mean, do you want a few more? I mean, anybody who wants one can have one. I mean, an interested shareholder, an employee, I mean, somebody on the street, anybody who wants to know our strategy can know our strategy. And I said, wow. I said, you know, again, you know, you don't make people sign non-disclosure agreements. And I remember that Tim Smucker looked at me and said, what kind of people do you normally hang out with? (laughs) 
mean, because you know, here in uh, here in California, man, I mean, people want a non want you to sign a non disclosure agreement before they tell you what they had for breakfast. I mean, it's just absolutely out of control. Ridiculous documents, non disclosure agreements, and so I, I, I guess. Uh, to bring people into the present, I want to leave them this one thought today, and, and, and that is this. Knowledge is no longer power. And I'm going to tell you a little story uh, about this. And this goes back probably 12 or 14 years. And uh, uh, I had, uh, at one point in my career, uh, I had been put on loan to a couple of political campaigns, uh, and I got to run the media operations uh, for these two political campaigns. Both were successful, and one of them was for Senator Don Regal in Michigan, the senator at the time. And uh, I had not talked to Regal for years, and he was out of office. He had left office, and uh, and I wanted to call him. And so I, I, I found an office for him, and as I was talking to the person on the telephone, I, I, I thought, okay, yeah, I ran his media operations, I mean, 15, 20 years ago, I'm just trying to touch bases. And as I was telling my story, I realized he was not even going to get the message. And so I just went on the internet and did a search uh, for Senator Don Regal. And that was in the early days of Intellius and some of these other companies. And one company wanted $5 uh, and a credit card, and they'd give me a full report uh, on, on this person. And so I put in the credit card number. And this may, this may go back 15 or 16 or 17 years, I mean, to when digital was just starting to take off. And I thought, well, we'll see what happens. And I mean, two minutes later, I mean, ding in my email, and here's the report on Senator Regal. And I open it up, and I went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. How do I have this stuff? It had Social Security numbers. It had where he owns property. It listed his kids. It listed his banks. And that was the day I realized that uh, knowledge is really no longer power, because any kid with a high-speed Internet access in Bangladesh has the same access to all the knowledge as the captains of industry once had. At one point in time, the accumulation of knowledge took took money, and so you had to be rich. I mean, you could hire private detectives. I mean, uh, you could hire operatives to gather all the information you needed, and so knowledge was power. Uh, knowledge is no longer power. I mean, all the knowledge is available to all the people who want to try to find it. So let that go. And so it's about flawless execution. So the more people have the more the more people have the knowledge, the more likely you are to have flawless execution. And so that is practiced by more and more great companies who are just getting it. And just to boil it down to show how we're living this, I want you to to connect the dots for me uh, just based on the podcast. How do you make a living? How do I make a living? Mm-hmm. You get on stage and speak, correct? Uh, I know. I, I would actually say how, how, how I make a living. I, I'm, I'm asked this uh, on airplanes all the time. Uh, what do you do? And I never know the answer. Uh, do I say I'm a researcher? Because that's about 25% of my life. Do I say I write books? That's about 25% of my life. Do I say I give speeches? That's about 25% of my life. Um, but uh, so I guess I make my living in all of those areas, but it's all predicated, I, I guess, on research, right? I get so what you're doing is you are assimilating knowledge, right? And you're giving it away for free now at 133 episodes. Has that lowered your ah. income or ability to live in the last three to four years that we've been doing this podcast? 
I see. I see where you're going. I'm sorry. You're a little cryptic on me there. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, you know, we set out that this podcast was was going to be a labor of love uh, when you first approached me about doing this, and uh, and it's free. Uh, nobody has to sign up if you, if you don't want to. We don't ask for your email address. I mean, this is a labor of love to help lead people to their full economic potential. Has this damaged my business? I can't begin to tell you how often my office rece- receives a telephone call of somebody. Somebody out in Kansas had listened to a podcast. They forwarded it to their friend who was an executive at a company in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Uh, he or she loved it. They forwarded it to their boss. That boss said, you know, this would be a great guy to bring in, I mean, for our big annual meeting. Uh, no, uh, the podcast, giving giving the knowledge away for free, has enhanced my business in ways that I never dreamt possible. Because it's all about your execution on the right. page, on the stage. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Just wanted wow. to, to clarify Man, how smart. we how yeah, we live smart. that. Yeah, you're smart, Dale. <laughs> I'm glad somebody thinks so. Ah, fantastic. Hey, any uh, any final words for us? Yeah, Dale, you got to tell everybody listening what's happening at your house this weekend. I'm going to have a smile on my face the entire weekend. Do I have to? Yeah. yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah you so do. the uh, the community in which we live holds a yard sale once a year. So everybody, you know, most people are encouraged in the community, hey, have a yard sale. They do all the advertising for you. And my wife and I were looking around the house at stuff in closets that hadn't been touched. And so I just, you know, I've got a rule. If I haven't touched it in a year, I don't need it. So right. it needs to go. And, oh, boy, did we find stuff that needs to go. So fortunately, I am inside recording a podcast with Jason Jennings while my wife is outside um, haggling as people come to buy. I I don't yard sale. I don't have a clue how it works. I did all of the work ahead of time, assembling, sorting. (laughs) I was out at 5 o'clock this morning, putting everything out, and then I um, fortunately had an opportunity to have this conversation with you. So, And then you'll, at the end of the day, you'll have enough money to take the family out to Applebee's for dinner, I guess. (laughs) Maybe McDonald's. Maybe McDonald's. (laughs) It's a yard sale. And then then I was was asking you earlier, if you know anything about this 1,000-mile yard sale, Sale. And I would love to hear from somebody who uh, has more information on this. I, I uh, About a year or two ago, I, I saw a, a, a new segment, I, I think, on the Today Show about this annual 1,000-mile thousand yard, uh, yard sale that starts someplace in, I think, southeastern Michigan or something. It winds down through Ohio and Tennessee and Kentucky and Georgia and Alabama or something. And it's like on a specific Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday where tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people put out their gear along this thousand mile stretch for the for America's biggest yard sale. And so if anybody's got some more information on that, I, w- I would love to know a little bit more about it. Hey, maybe you'll make that trip next year. There you <laughs> yeah, go. So I'll put it at the top <laughs> of my bucket list, Dale. <laughs> any, uh, any other final words for us? Um, yeah, I, 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 I do. Uh, yeah, I do. More and more people are getting it. More and more people are getting it. And, and what, is, what is it? Uh, I guess it is that in business, the greatest leaders have allowed their head to meet their heart. 
and they truly understand that all of the stuff that had been dismissed for years as being the soft stuff is actually the only stuff that counts. Uh, leaders are, are getting purpose like they've never gotten it before. They're getting the need for guiding principles like they've never gotten it before. They're, they're understanding the need to keep their hands dirty and spend 50% of their time customer-facing like they've never understood it before. Um, uh, wherever I go, uh, whatever conversations I have with people, I, I, I just sense that there's almost this age of leadership enlightenment that is taking place um, at an unprecedented rate. And, uh, and and so on every airplane ride home, I, I sit there by myself uh, and, and just think about how lucky I am just to play this little tiny role uh, in, in, in this movement that's going to result in business being much better for everyone. Mm. So, yeah, that's my final thought. Thank you so much. I'll let you know that Jason Jennings is the author who yesterday calls one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. You can find out how to arrange to have Jason keynote your next event or leadership conference and learn about his fees and availability. Just go to the website, jason-jennings.com, click the contact button, and follow the instructions there. We'd also love to hear your question for Jason or just let us know about the longest yard sale in the United States. It's all at hashtag Ask Jason Jennings on Twitter. So just go to Twitter, send out a tweet, include the hashtag Ask Jason Jennings. We'd love to answer the question, hear your story, and we will talk about it on a later episode of the podcast. This is The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. Invest your time on execution and let go of the secrets this week. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.